welcome into another edition of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. We are officially at episode 27. Man, we are really starting to fly off with these episodes. I am really, really excited to continue to build up on these. And shoot, before we know it, we'll be at episode 50. But before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously No Copyright Music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a Brooke College student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them, No Copyright Music. I'd like to welcome you guys to episode 27. It's been pretty busy around this uh, behind the catch fence world, to say the least. Whoa. That'd actually be pretty cool to have like a podcast world. You could have like, like motorsports memorabilia. You could have like little videos, clips of drivers. Oh man, I better tell somebody about this so we can get this behind the catch fence world rolling along, like Disney World or something like that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, from John Forrest to Simon Pagano to Richard Petty, it's been thrilling and surreal to have those guys on the past couple weeks. But the fun doesn't stop yet. Today, we have one of the up-and-coming stars in the Road to Indie program. His name is Stingray Rob. Yep, you heard that right. His name really is Stingray. <laughs> you honestly can't have a better name in the world than that. Stingray is moving up to Indy Lights this season with Uncos Racing, fresh off an Indy Pro 2000 championship, which saw him notch 7 wins, 5 poles, 11 podiums, and 15 top 5 finishes. Needless to say, he spanked the field all season long. Stingray has big aspirations to get to the highest level of open wheel racing, and he's just scratching the surface. Enough with the chit chat, let's get right into the episode. So, sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. It could be uh, pizza rolls or chocolate chip muffins, something like that. That's a weird combo. But enjoy this episode with Uncos Racing, Stingray Rob. Hey, Stingray. Good morning. Yeah, I gotcha. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, and yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Still trying to wake up good. a little bit. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is it, 9.30 there right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I woke up a little bit later, but <laughs> no um, I love all the trophies back there. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually at my dad's house right now. We flew in yesterday from our barber test, so yeah, okay. I uh, decided to go into the trophy room, and it's quiet enough in here that hopefully we won't be able to hear him downstairs. Uh, I'd say that's the perfect background. Um, yeah. What stuff have you been doing with uh, the pandemic going on and just all the craziness of that? Doing well. Um, yeah, the whole COVID deal last year with the quarantine, everything was kind of wild. But I mean, we got got that full season in and Indy Pro 2000 car. And now here back home, it's not too bad. We kind of live in a bubble here in Idaho. So we don't have the extreme effects of everything that's happening. And so it's been good. And I will, I'm sure the first question you're always asked is, where did the name Stingray come from? So that would be my first question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that is usually the first question asked. Um, my parents were big Corvette fans, though. And my dad has a 1966 Stingray Corvette. And so when I was born, they decided to name me after that car. And uh, that's the short story. So short story, I was named after the Corvette. Long story, um, my dad's side of the family's heritage is from Stirlingshire, Scotland. And Sterling was shortened to Sting. And then both my grandpas had Ray in their names. And so we took that all together, combined it, and got Stingray out of it. That's, that's the perfect kind of combination. It has a like, nice like, heritage behind it. And I mean, you can't beat the yeah. name Stingray. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it worked out well for racing for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, but 
moving on the flip side of things, what's a question that you're surprised you haven't been asked before? That's a tough one. Um, no one asks if I have any siblings, and I think it's because it's a complicated question for me. So I can answer that if you want. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> so I'm actually an only child, um, but I have eight siblings. I have four half and four step. And yeah, we have quite the mixed family, but it's it's fun. I'm sure it makes it a lot of fun, especially like you know Christmas time and Thanksgiving, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have like three or four Christmases every every year, so it makes it interesting. I have to like <laughs> drive three hours every day um, during Christmas to just get to all the events, but it's good. I like it a lot. Oh yeah, um, but let's see. Uh, what? How did you get into motorsports, and where did your love for motorsports begin? So like I said, my parents were big Corvette fans. Um, so I grew up around the classic cars, Corvette club meetings at the drag strip where my dad used to race um, and even some autocross events. And so from an early age, I had developed a want to go fast. Um, but when I was four years old, I saw a video of Travis Pastrana jump a go-kart into a foam pit. Like, oh, that's what I want to do. And so I decided that uh, for my fifth birthday, I'd ask for a go-kart and sure enough, walked out into the garage on my fifth birthday and my parents had the go-kart set up in there. And I said, Oh my, I've waited my whole life to be five. Like who waits their life to be five. Um, so I just, that, that's kind of where I got my start. And I worked my way up to the karting ranks. And I think my parents thought it was a phase I was going through, you know, some kids, they want to be a fireman or a mailman or um, a truck driver. And I wanted to be a race car driver. Like, Oh, it's just a phase. It'll pass. And yeah, I'm still in the phase. So it didn't work out too well for them. That's a, that's a forever phase at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're, I know um, you're on, you're going towards the open wheel side. Uh, what made you kind of lean towards the open wheel side besides like, you know, the stock car side, which a lot of people tend to, you know, lean towards as well. Yeah. So when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do, um, making the jump from carts to cars, uh, that was back in 2016. And so I just drove everything that I could. We did um, gearbox carts over in Europe. I did open wheel cars. I did some Bondurant driving school, which was in the Corvette there um, to see what would touring cars would be like. Also did some stock car driving. I even did some dirt track racing. Um, and so I just did as much as I could to feel out where I wanted to be. And open wheel was pretty much the, the decision um, just because it reminded me of a go-kart and that's what I grew up doing. Um, you know, you have the lightweight feel, um, you know, it's, it's very confidence inspiring when you have a, a well-made race car underneath you. It's not like, a uh, some of the stock cars that you race on a road course, they feel like a taxi cab when you turn into a corner, um, versus the open wheel that just sucks to the ground and it feels amazing. Yeah. I'm sure you're able to, yeah, kind of feel like the more racy feel and obviously more control of the car. You know, stock car, they're sure. very bulky to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more horsepower at the lower levels, but still at the, at the open wheel circuit, it, it feels a lot quicker in the corners. Like you said, that racier feel. And, uh, you know, it was announced in January that you'd be moving up to Indy lights with Uncos racing. Um, how, what was that moment like for you just knowing how hard you've worked just to get to that? You know, I think the realization started to come um, at New Jersey last year in Indy Pro 2000, where we sealed the championship. And it wasn't so much an excitement of uh, we won the championship. It was we get to move on. You know, we get to take that next step, that next step closer. And so that was what I was most excited for. Obviously, the championship was amazing. And so it, it was all kind of settling in there in the last couple races of like, wow, we really 
worked our tail off the last few years, four or five years, whatever it was to get to this point. And so, um, for me, it's kind of like a weight lifted off my shoulders a little bit, but now we got something to prove again. So it's good. What would you say the differences are between just an Indy lights car? I know you've only had a little bit of testing with that, you know, between an Indy lights car and then a, uh, Indy pro 2000. So obviously, you know, you got a bigger car, so it's a little heavier, um, more downforce, more horsepower, lots more grip. You know, we had our first test at Barber this last week and, uh, the amount of grip there is unbelievable. I had jello neck after the first day, you know, going through the, the compression zone, you turn in and it's just like, Oh, leaning on the headrest. All right. We'll just stay here for a while. Um, so it's, it's impressive how much different it really is, you know, taking that next step. I mean, I don't even want to imagine what an Indy car is like right now at Barber, just because it's intense in an Indy lights car. I'm sure the G forces are probably a lot more, you know, for an Indy lights car as well. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's, it's everything. It's not just acceleration. It's braking, turn in everywhere. Um, but back to your question, the differences in driving style, um, is pretty significant too. And I think that the best way I can relate it is driving like a single speed cart to a shifter cart. Um, it's just two different techniques that work for the cars. Um, the, the Indy Pro 2000 is kind of a rolling speed car because it's low horsepower, a little bit less downforce, but it's light. And so it can, it can take those minimum speeds a little bit higher than the Indy Lights car, but the Indy Lights car is just raw. I mean, it's heavy, it's fast, it's powerful. So you drive it in deep, get it stopped, turn, and then get out of there as fast as you can. I hear a lot of guys, they, they have like different approaches to uh, just learning a track or learning a car. Uh, just how do you go about learning a track? So for most people, they usually use a simulator. Um, to get ready for the season. And I actually don't have a simulator right now. Uh, just every, every racetrack that we're going to nowadays is one that I've been to besides like Detroit, for example, and not having an exact uh, replica car on iRacing, let's say, um, for the Indy Lights, it, it, you can only learn so much. You can't really do real world, real world testing in it. Um, so you can drive like the Formula Renault V8 or an Indy car, but those are the only two that are going to give you a real comparison of what it should feel like. Um, so for me, I, I really like to, the team helps out a lot. Um, so they send me pre-report videos and data, and it just gives me like a, a few days to, to look through that and try and figure out like what the techniques feel like here and there and uh, figure out the key points in the track just based off the videos of this is what I should be doing with my hands here. Uh, so certain things like that, I'll just be looking for. And so it's kind of a process to, I mean, it's like going to a, a, a test in school, right? You're going to have to study up Make sure you know your material um, and pay attention when the, when the test finally comes. Uh, make sure you're focused. So it's the same idea. I never did too well on tests. Still aren't doing too well, but <laughs> we're still dropping <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, you know, outside of racing, what other type of uh, hobbies do you have? Uh, you know, living in Idaho, lots of outdoor things to do. Um, so usually in the summer, we're in the, the water boating or jet skiing if we're not at home working. Um, we also have like really good snow skiing in the winter. Um, I like to go rock climbing, which is actually not outside. I do the indoor climbing, but hopefully the summer I'll get a chance to go outdoors. Um, I played a lot of ball sports in high school, played basketball, baseball, tried a little bit of soccer back in the day. Um, so my hobbies usually include something active. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just like to, to be active. I, I, I like spending time with my family and 
doing those activities. And so when we're home, that's, that's typically what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm guessing uh, the soccer, you, you had a little bit of hesitancy with the, the soccer uh, part. It <laughs> was that, how did that go? Well, I, uh, when I say that I played it back in the day, I mean, that was like rec league um, as a kid, you know, at the far end of the softball fields in the little grass area. Um, and then I tried it in high school and I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. So I actually, I ran cross country for my freshman year in high school and, uh, yeah, I didn't have to do it after that to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had run cross country the first two years and uh, man, that, yeah. that, that's a next level type of sport that I'm like, I commend people that do it, but the, I don't know that that's a lot of beating and just on your body overall. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's tough, but I, I did enjoy it while I did it, but it's just like, if I want to do it, I want to be good at whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And I did not see myself being a good cross country runner. So I was like, ah, something else, we'll find something else. <laughs> and obviously racing is that. <laughs> yeah. That um, was my something else. Uh, and one of the things I've noticed is how confident you are, but just a humble demeanor overall, just uh, what keeps you just humble and this during the times of success? Um, well, you have the, the old saying, there's two kinds of men in this world those that are humble are about to be. And so I'd rather be the, the humble one to start. Um, but I think that just comes from experience. You know, I think my faith has played a big role in who I am and that it represents who I am on the racetrack and off the racetrack. And I think that God's put me in a place um, where I can have a platform to share his word and, uh, you know, be kind to others and make a difference in this world. And so hopefully that'll be the bigger story than, you know, my success in my racing career. Obviously I want to have the high success. Um, but even more than that, I want to, to make a difference. So I think that, uh, realizing that I've been put here for a reason and that God's got everything under his control and it's not all up to me. Um, cause I, re I really don't believe I could do any of this on my own. He's put people in my life that, um, have gotten me to this point, you know, my parents alone, my grandparents, uh, my manager, Peter Rossi, all the team members that I've had in the past, just all those experiences add up. And I think that when you're able to look back at that and be grateful, it, it allows you to be confident because you know where you're at and also be humble because you know where you came from. And, yes, and, you, and as you mentioned, faith is a big part of your life. Uh, how do you keep, uh, how do you continue just to grow that, you know, and just be a light for people during just all like, you know, during times of just growth yourself? Yeah. So it's kind of funny you ask, um, beginning of last year, I was kind of at a point in my life where, you know, I just graduated from high school and I'm like, okay, I really, you know, when I read the Bible, I don't really know a lot of the verses in there. And so, um, during COVID, I actually started to kind of deep dive into my faith a little bit. It was a challenging time. And I think it was for all of us. Um, and so I know it's kind of bad to say, but I think that there are some benefits that we had from quarantine. And one of those things is that people were able to grow, grow closer to God and you know, ask those big questions of why are we here? Uh, what's, what's my purpose and things like that. And so for me, I was kind of doing the same thing. And um, I think that's where our success kind of came from, from this last season as well. Um, you may have seen the story, but at mid Ohio last year, we had the triple header and it was like the second race weekend. And uh, uh, the first race I started like top four or something. And we did pretty good in qualifying, but I finished 10th. I'm like, there was no one's fault other than my own that we had that happen. And so I ended up, I was super mad. So I ended up walking away from the team for a little bit. And there's a little park area out there at mid Ohio. And I took a knee 
And I was like, all right, God, this is it. I'm done. Like I've given everything that I've got to, to get to this point And I finished 10th. Like I, I know that I can't do this anymore on my own. It's either I'm not good enough or we can't get a break or uh, I'm just not supposed to be doing this. And so I'm leaving it up to you. And then James one was my reminder, you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials, of many kinds, uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so I think that as I grow in my faith, I just want to kind of share my story and hopefully I'll be able to, to be in tune enough to what God has for me to say to others. Um, and I think that the racing industry needs that a little bit. I think everyone needs that a little bit just because, you know, there's so much that goes into it, but God's, God's love for us is so big and so grand that, you know, he, he loves us where we are and he wants us to grow closer to him. So he loves us enough that he doesn't want to leave us that way. So yeah, hopefully that answered your question. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that was, those are all incredible words. Um, and I like that was, there's always that point. I feel like in a lot of people's lives where you're at the breaking point, you're like, all right, you know, like I, I've done everything that I can. This is like a surrender type of feel. And you know, and like yeah. the fact, yeah, that was just, it just shows this, you know, the humbleness, be like, all right, you know, I'm giving it all to you and, you know, and just, it, you know, it's like a change of mindset type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, this last off season, a big part of, you know, that surrender that I'm, I'm getting the, it comes from knowing who God is and knowing what he wants for our, for our lives. And um, I actually joined a Bible study on one of the college campuses here local. And uh, that's been pretty cool just to kind of see like the different perspectives. And we actually had a talk not that long ago of like everyone in their lives, whether you were born in the church or you grew up in a church or you're outside the church at some point, if you have a faith, um, there's going to be that come to Jesus moment. And so like, what was that for you? What was that moment that you're like, all right, that's it. I have to give everything because I know that if I don't, I'm just going to be the same way that I am the rest of my life. And if I do, I know whose hands I'm putting it into, and I know it's going to work out for the best, whether there's trials along the way, there's, you know, the, the hills and valleys. We always say that God is greater than my highs and lows. So. And yeah, I definitely just, it gets to that point, you know, and just the fact that I remember, yeah, mine was the whole, you know, you were very worried and like fearful about it, but you had kind of had like that piece of, all right, you know, I know this is going to work out in the end and look at, you know, and everyone always ends up, growing stronger because of that, you know, those type of moments. And I think that's always just mm -hmm. been really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, let's see, uh, you know, you've been racing since, you know, since a young age, um, who's been someone that you kind of look up to, like whether it's just someone you watch on TV, like from the IndyCar series, whoever it is, or just like a family member. Yeah. There's a lot of people in my life that I've been able to follow after a little bit. Um, on the racing side of things, I always look to the older drivers that are, you know, killing it like Scott Dixon, you know, that guy is amazing. He is so talented out of the car and in the car. It's like, he's, he's a machine. When he gets in you're, you just know, he's always going to be there. Um, a few of the other guys, you know, I, I grew up racing with Patricio award and Colton Herta a little bit. They were always like one step ahead of me. Um, so it's cool to see those guys there now, Renus VK. Um, so I'm always cheering those guys on and I'm looking up to them a little bit in the sense of, okay, hopefully one day I'll be in those same shoes trying to, trying to, you know, win the IndyCar championship and, you know, with the, the different teams that they're with. So it's pretty cool to see, you know, how close you are to Indy, IndyCar when you're in Indy Lights and realize, okay, my dreams are about to become my reality. Um, they already are, 
but I mean, even that further dream of making that top step and having a successful career there. So I always like to look at the older guys, um, those that have been there years and that have had that success. Imagine Scott Dixon, man, that's, <laughs> I, I can never get over just how, just, yeah, like a machine's probably the best uh, way to describe him. Just the fact that, you know, you know, he's going to be up there, you know, he's always going to be in the contention and I have no idea how he does it every year. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not the only one you got right. Joseph Newgarden. That's always there. Will power is always quick. Um, he may not be at the front of the pack, but he's always going to be that wild card. It seems like that just comes flying out of nowhere that everyone's like, Oh yeah, it's just Will power. That's what he does. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously such a stacked field in IndyCar this year. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited. Yeah, it'll definitely be, you know, the rookie class itself is crazy in itself with Johnson and Grosjean and McLaughlin. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even sure you can call that a, a rookie class. I mean, no. Those guys are stacked. They know what they're doing. That's a couple wins between the three of them. <laughs> yeah, just a few. <laughs> but, um, yeah, final question. What's the toughest track you've ever had to race on? Oh probably barber to be honest i mean there's so much technique that goes into that track and it's so sensitive um and it's i mean the they just repaved it i think in the last couple of years and so the grip levels increased um so it just adds that another element of like aggression that you're you're required to have on the racetrack and um yeah so barber's probably at the top of my list for the difficulty of tracks and it's great because we're starting our first race there <laughs> it's true you can get out of the way too <laughs> yeah yeah uh that's all the questions i have for you um thank you for taking the time and uh good luck this season awesome thank you thanks for having me and i uh, hope we'll talk to you soon yeah definitely hey, you have a good day man yeah you too bye hope you guys enjoyed this episode of behind the catch fence with special guest stingray rob stingray is by far one of the most humble and down-to-earth people i've met at his age and it's only going to help propel him towards his goal of racing in the indycar series it was kind of weird for me interviewing someone a couple years younger than me that was definitely a first but stingray is wise beyond his years and with drivers like him waiting in the wings to rise to the top i'd say the ntt indycar series is in excellent hands I'd like to thank Lisa Markle for making this all possible. And I'd also like to thank Stingray once again for coming on to the podcast. We're just about out of time for today's episode, so look out for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you guys later.